Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Creators Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am your host, Chloe, and I want you to know that my intention behind this podcast is and always will be to expand your heart and your mind and help you discover new ideas, thoughts, and ways of being. I hope that with each episode, you leave this space feeling inspired, filled with love, and ready to take action in creating a life that is worth living. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, I'm really excited to share a podcast episode today with my friend Kyle. Um, Kyle and I have actually only met once uh, when I was visiting in Florida through Friends of a Friend, but we connected really quickly because we have so many similar interests and lifestyle choices and just simply because he's an iridologist and a herbalist and many other things, we became instant friends. <laughs> so, um, and we're, today we're gonna focus, Kyle is in the midst of building out and starting a program on sleep and resetting circadian rhythms. And we started talking about it a few weeks ago and just the detriment of artificial lighting and how it affects our hormones and our mental health, our physical health. And I was like, we should do a podcast about this. And it's something I've been, um, dedicating a lot of my time to over the last four months just completely eradicating artificial light from my home and doing my best to red light blocking measures etc so yeah i'm excited that you're here to, to chat <laughs> and yeah so if you want to talk a little bit about who like what you're all about like what's important to you etc how you spend yeah. your time yeah absolutely so been it's been a while i come a long ways i was in the military after college for a few years for something called pararescue just on the special operations side of things and mm -hmm. going through western medicine but also already being embedded deeply with more of the traditional eastern medicine ways and really coming to the terms with both sides and seeing the appeals and what I don't necessarily agree with, more so with the uh, the Western side. So really went into depth with more of the holistic ways with nutrition and just different remedies that have been practiced for hundreds, thousands of years and grew up more so always health conscious with her parents and we were homeschooled up until eighth grade and oh, always so cool I that know, explains kind of, a lot about who you are it, <laughs> <laughs> it's usually yeah how it, it goes um but yeah it has always spent time outside we grew up down here on the beach on 30a up on our grandparents farm up in ohio it's always doing things outside um so it was always curious about nature and then yeah just after the military came back to the same area here on the panhandle of florida got into farming started up some different businesses and just trying to keep it simple 
and help as many people as I can um, and just bring to to offer to the table just alternatives because we're only approached with one ideological like notion that this is the only way this is how it's always been um, you have to continue on this path when in fact there's actually been uh, a lot more experience and time dedicated to other routes of healing especially um, but yeah we we go to the farmers market each weekend and we get to interact with a lot of different people um, hundreds if not thousands every weekend so especially during the the height of the season so we get to hear a lot help a lot and just really bring the terms um, and offer different ideas of what true health is not just putting a band-aid on it um, which i i'm not disrespecting western medicine it's definitely there for a good purpose but also in the same time there's been a lot that's been covered up more so for the aid of um, financial institutions and gains for these companies, especially mm -hmm. when they have investors. You know, they're corporations, they have investors. Their sole purpose is to primarily please the investors rather than the end goal of helping customers. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just when you kind of take a step back and then probably had to do with something being homeschooled, just kind of having to think on your own. And then I had some really awesome professors in university who literally we'd walk right into class and all they would say is why. They'd put something up on the board and they'd just ask why. And they'd call us out one by one. And then we actually had to teach ourselves. They never taught us anything. They just got us to create a critically think and got the gears grinding and that was really cool a whole different perspective um especially from like an educational system and like these professors really realizing the depth of, like what that can do to help mm. students uh but yeah now just a little bits and pieces but still here in florida it's awesome um and just trying to keep it simple on the farm. So the farming is, I'm just remembering that we met again at the farmer's market and you were selling mushrooms and such, right? Yeah, so I was helping my friends, good friends, they've got a mushroom company and all the different medicinals and then culinary too, making tinctures with have grow kits and just like a lot of the the ones like King Trumpets, um, you just go back at home, cook up. And then right now we've got a stand selling turmeric, different turmeric varieties. Uh, oh, cool. There's a handful of different colors of turmeric, different varieties, just the mo most abundant, um, most popular that you see is the gold. Uh, it's not as rare or scarce compared to like there's blue, there's green, those are the most rare and endangered species and the most difficult to find, but mm -hmm. they're the most beneficial, most potent and concentrated out of all the different varieties. So we we grow all the different varieties, about three acres of farm turmeric, and then just make all the products, tinctures, we freeze dry a lot to make um, capsules, different powders, different juices, just kind of trying to 
broaden the, the whole spectrum um, of things to help people. And a lot of people at this point, uh, they come to the market and they already know so much about turmeric because mm. of the disease. And it's actually the most studied botanical herb for healing purposes out of anything else with thousands of peer-reviewed clinical trials, everything. Um, and it's most well-known for its ability to combat cancer and to combat inflammation better than anything else. And that's why it's so renowned. But again, it, it's like the one-stop shop for everything. Mm -hmm. um, everything is embedded. There's no such thing as disease. They're just all consequences of inflammation. So if you can combat inflammation, you can practically solve anything from gut-related, joint-related, uh, anything going on with your mental aspect. Um, like turmeric's been studied and proven to help reverse Alzheimer's, dementia, like all types of things. So it's mm. so cool. I remember you sending me the photo. I'm just remembering now the photo of the blue turmeric, and I was just, I thought it was a joke. Like I thought that wasn't a real yeah. thing. It's so crazy. You guys have to look it up. It's amazing. So now you're growing acres of the blue turmeric. Yeah, eventually, because it, we were able to scavenge some from different farmers, um, some in Hawaii and then like Sri Lanka, but most people don't sell it just because it takes a lot longer to grow. It grows the same way. Mm. Yeah, if you look at pictures, it looks like it's photoshopped. Like it's- Yeah, or like injected with blue dye or something. Yeah, literally, it's like when you crack it open, bright neon blue and then same with the green it's like a sharpie you know or a highlighter it's that that bright it's like glowing but it tastes insane like i bet does it have a similar flavor or like essence uh, a little bit of the same essence the flavor like turmeric are already in general like is not does not taste good you know but really kinda, i love it <laughs> <laughs> I know it. I take it every day and it, it still doesn't get easier, um, especially with the green and the blue, but it's like a punch, but you can feel it. Like we've had so many people come up to the stand with 10 out of 10 pain and we'll cold press the blue and the green and we'll put it in a little dropper bottle. And we recommend just one drop per serving and just to tape it, take it sublingually right underneath your tongue. Um, mm -hmm. It's the quickest way for anything to get absorbed right into your system. And yeah. people come with 10 out of 10 pain, take a drop. I think we're selling some snake oil, you know, and then 10, 15 minutes later, they come back with like two out of 10 pain or no pain at all. Wow. Um, they come back with like a hundred dollar bill. They're like, okay, I'll take <laughs> three bottles of it, please. <laughs> yeah. They, they literally come back and like, I can't believe this. Like, let me buy more. That's and we've so got cool. so many cool testimonies from everyone going through cancer treatments and then seeing the difference between before taking turmeric and then post taking turmeric with their numbers um, dropping significantly. So mm. yeah, it's, it's really cool to just help bring that. Um, but yeah, ultimately it's, it's growing. But I predict in like the next two, three years, 
all the turmeric will have is either going to be blue or green. Um, wow, just because, amazing. Yeah, it's the most healing and you'll get the quickest results. Um, and what would you say? Uh, you, I guess you kind of already answered it, but is the best way to take turmeric, you think, like having it pressed as cold pressed as a juice or as a tincture or a powder? Does it make much difference, do you think, in its efficiency? Yeah, I... So I would say any way that you can to retain, um, like it is fresh in its raw natural state. So just eating like a little piece and keeping it like in between your, your lips almost, and then just chewing it up every now and again to break up the oils, but having mm -hmm. the, the full root, um, you can get all that different bioavailability of the different kinds of bacteria all the different things. Um, I'll just take a little piece and keep it in my mouth for like a few hours, just while out here on mm -hmm. the farm. Um, I'd say the next best way would be to cold press it because all the work's done, it's already in liquid form. So your body is immediately going to absorb that. And especially if you take it underneath your tongue, that's uh, gonna be the quickest route for anything to get into your bloodstream. And I always emphasize taking a little bit throughout the day periodically like before every meal um, mm -hmm. is better than all at once because your whole circulus circulatory system is going to just keep pumping that um, and it'll keep in your system for a longer period of time but mm -hmm. if you just take it all at once it's only going to take what it needs and then uh, get rid of the rest but it's best just to take a little bit throughout the day um, especially on an empty stomach and a big advocate for taking it before you go to bed too. Um, just mm. before your body goes into that state. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. I didn't know that you were doing so much with turmeric. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of all happened by accident, but I've used turmeric like in everything for so long. Um, but most people take it in capsule form or powder form. And the way that most companies go about that is pretty, pretty different. They, um, so they'll usually dig it all up, let it sit for a few weeks, and then just on the ground outside of the soil. And then they will boil it and then bake it. So through that extensive heat process, you can lose mm. up to 60% of the nutritional content. So your body is already losing all those nutrients that it could be gaining. And then also uh, your body can't absorb it the same way. So a lot of studies and people recommend taking the black pepper. So they'll put black pepper specifically in with the, the turmeric powder because your body can't absorb it the same way. We found mm -hmm. a few that were contradicting that a lot of the studies on taking the turmeric with the black pepper were published by the black pepper companies. So it was more <laughs> so marketing on their, their end. Um, but regardless, I don't think it's harmful. I'd still take it with black pepper, but with a natural fat, avocado, coconut, olive, if you take some, supplement that with your turmeric, it acts the same way. So it just mm. becomes biodiversity um, bioavailable for your your system to absorb but with freeze drying 
we got into that. It's like a space time like machine. It's it's crazy looking. It's just this huge box, and you're able to preserve food for up to 25 years, and you can retain up to 98 to 99 percent of the nutritional content. And the only you thing that freeze drying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like a, the new and improved way of canning. So. Mm. <laughs> You can freeze dry anything but honey. Like a lot of people will take ice cream, like ice cream sandwiches, they'll freeze dry them. And then you can just, it's crazy. Like the only thing that is missing is the water structure and content. So the second you add water back to it, it'll reconstitute just like, like I was experimenting with um some bison steaks and I just, I cooked the bison on the the grill and then freeze dried it and then took it out. It takes about 24 hours to go through the whole process. Uh-huh. Took the steak out and then reconstituted it with hot water. Hot water will put it back into its original form more quickly. And it's like it just came off the grill. Like you can't couldn't even tell. I gave some to a friend yeah. and he had no idea. That's crazy. So freeze drying, hot tip. I need to get one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's definitely the way to go. Um, And then, yeah, you can just make all kinds of preserved foods. It's like the space food for NASA, essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of hiking brands for their food. You can get the freeze dried packets of different meals. So it's just, it's really good for hiking because it's very lightweight, just like a couple, a couple ounces. Um, yeah. And you can technically have fresh-ish food that still has yeah. all of its additional qualities. Exactly. That's so cool. Okay. So turmeric farming, mushroom farming, homeschooling, <laughs> are, you, are your parents still in alignment or what is your parents role in, in how you've evolved into the person that you are? Are they supportive in like that way in terms of natural health remedies and more like avoiding the Western medical system? Yeah, absolutely. My, my mom has always been open to it. And then growing up on a farm, where they didn't necessarily have as much. They just had to do more so on their own with what they had uh, and just always being outside around nature. And her dad went through, lived through the Great Depression and then just that kind of philosophy um, on life. And then with her upbringing from her dad, things like that really had a large effect. And then my mom was always on the wave, same with my dad. Um, and then I'm the oldest out of three, got a younger mm-hmm. brother and sister. And my mom was a little on edge about vaccination, especially at birth. Um, and I received, she was kind of on edge and more and more was coming out about that whole topic, like it's born in 95, so around that time period. Um, but I received MMR, which parts per million, you're getting the greatest dose of, uh, like the different heavy metals 
formaldehyde, all that, all at once. And that's what I went and received almost died. And then after that, my mom was like, all right, no one, we're not getting any more. No more of that. <laughs> yeah. And then that really like, yeah, how old were you when you got that? Uh, I think if you go on with the schedule, the schedule back then it was like six or eight months. Okay. Yeah. I saw some, I follow this, um, free birthing mom account and she shared the vaccination schedule as of right now from the time you were born to the time you're three and my jaw nearly dislocated i couldn't believe it i was like oh my god people do that i, <laughs> I know. have no idea like that's just such a foreign concept to me like the idea of injecting a newborn baby with vaccines it's just out of this world crazy like i would never even consider it for a second like a fragment of a second <laughs> no not not a chance and it's uh the sign of a falling a full collapse of a medical system because it's their last resort the last thing they have um after proving through the decades of nothing actually happening no cures really coming into place. We have all these, like the greatest health um, programs, doctors, research, everything, but yet the most sick people today than before. Why is that? You know, and on personal opinion, that our bodies, our whole system has a way of going about letting things come into our system and protecting our whole body as a whole um, and allowing what should go into the bloodstream and not. But when you're going to pierce through the epidermis and literally put something right into the bloodstream like that, you can't find that in nature unless it's something with, you know, maybe you're being stung or what may best uh resemble uh any kind of needles just the fangs of like a, a cobra any kind of venomous snake yeah. you know they go right through it's like the same thing but i don't think anything should go right into the bloodstream like that like your body has to process and el eliminate any foreign things that may be harmful to your entire body um yeah, and then you just kind of check out the whole scope of it. It's like, well, let's check out the correlation between um, push vaccines and vaccination campaigns and cancer, or maybe even the, the intellect, just like where the standards are. Um, and there's a similarity, like I would like to think there's a correlation um, between the two, you know, as we've increased vaccines and the amount given, it tends to go up with like a similarity with cancers. Um, and then also with just your overall uh, mental strength, speed, everything. Like if you were to read a, an essay from like a fourth grader a hundred years ago compared to today, like there's a significant difference. Like this fourth graders a hundred years ago, it's like a college essay. 
if you go back and read some um, compared to what there is today. But I'm just saying that maybe, I'm not saying it's definitely all of it, but just at least consider it because it is still an option. Um, yeah. I was thinking about that today in the shower, normal shower thoughts for me. <laughs> like how crazy it is. I mean, I don't know, maybe this will be like frowned upon, but I think it's actually insane how much money people donate to cancer research. And everyone's like, what's the cure for cancer? What's the cure for cancer? Like, how do we prevent cancer? I'm like, people, it's not rocket science. Like, it's not really that much of a, a question as to what causes cancer when you look at the environment that we live in, the way that our food is grown, the way that we're injected with vaccines, the pharmaceuticals that we take, our air quality, the sleep, the artificial lighting, like it's not, what are we researching? Like, what could they possibly be researching in the lab? Like, just stop giving everyone vaccines and maybe grow our food with regenerative agriculture and we would eliminate and eradicate like 50% of cancer causes. <laughs> right, yeah. Just walk into any little small health food store, you got plenty of options. You see all these free handout books, um, like talking about how to, to beat cancer, but I also believe that cancer is probably one of the greatest things we could experience because it's your body giving you a sign. It's a way of protecting your whole system, telling you that there's something that needs to change because mm -hmm. your body can, can no longer maintain the status that it's been at. Um, something needs to, you either need to add something into the equation, but most often it's not, we have sign up for this new workout program or change your diet it's more so like what do i need to alleviate what do i need to subtract from the equation um that's giving me this result mm -hmm. and it's like always the case you know like it's always if you just make a few minor changes within your lifestyle you can change the outcome um and your body it all comes back to nature too like the further we we drift away from where we're supposed to be like we're literally of nature and supposed to and created to be within nature the more and more we drift further from it the more we can see these ailments these different things on coming um i think a profound example is during the industrial revolution when everyone was moving to the cities doctors started to prescribe people to go and to the mountains like around trees fresh air because uh, of all the respiratory ailments people were developing just from being in a clustered area with all the different fumes and whatnot but that's all you have to do i mean if you just go back to nature there are some really cool books um i read this one in college this guy this older gentleman it was his like childhood dream to through hike the Appalachian Trail. And he's in his like late 50s, going to the doctor each week, just loading up more and more on medicine. And he was just tired of it. He was like, all right, I'm done. Like if I die, like that's fine, but I'm not gonna keep doing this. So <laughs> he decided to go ahead and get on the AT, through hike the whole thing, didn't take any of the pharmaceuticals or what he was supposed to take with him and 
at the end of the hike, he went back for his checkups just to see how everything was regulating. And his numbers were better than before, like back to where he was way before he was even ill um, and had like numbers of like a 20 or 30 year old. So just yeah. being in that kind of environment, just alone will help. Yeah, I listened to this um, podcast episode the other day and this woman who is like a, I don't know, brain scientist or examined brain scans after people's experiences or after people spending time in nature. She said that the positive effects of spending one full day in nature without any technology, the effects that it had on the brain and the overall like physiological composition of the body lasted for up to 10 days. Like they only spent one day in nature and then they were inside for 10 days. But the effects remained from how nature affected them for a whole 10 days. And then three days uninterrupted in nature, like fully immersed in all of the elements, lasted the same effects lasted in the brain for up to a month. And I just thought that was so cool. Wow. Like, We're gonna yeah, that, how long it can keep and just heal your, your whole system for that long, just right after. Yeah, it's incredible. So, this documentary, similar to what you just um, stated, it's called In Pursuit of Silence. And they talk a lot about that, just being outside, um, how all the different artificial noises counteract our, uh, our respiratory rate, our, our heart rate, everything. Um, but that's pretty much identical to what you're talking about and what yeah. they It's so cool. I really, I love, I think that in um, my practice of being an iridologist and a herbalist and now having like 150 plus clients and seeing the congruencies among people and then asking them different questions of how they're living and what their relationship like is with nature and what their relationship like is with stress, et cetera, et cetera. We, like people are, all of my clients are like searching for some magic answer to this problem, to this digestive thing, to this problem and to this, all these different things. And I think when in the world that we live in with all the different Instagram accounts and everyone delivering different perspectives and angles of information, but if you really think about what does true health and well-being mean, it's very simple to boil it down to what's required in order to feel at home in our bodies and feel comfortable in our bodies and like our bodies are really functioning. And for me, nature is at the foundation of all of it. Like if you're not spending at least two hours of nature, two hours in nature every single day, that's like the minimum requirement. Like, okay, scratch everything, like forget everything and figure out how you can equip, like incorporate nature into your daily routine. Because we, the way that we live as human beings now is so incredibly unnatural that the least we can do in this craziness is spend time in nature. And then from there, it's like sleep. And then from there, it's emotions. And then from there, it's artificial lighting. And then from there, it's the nervous system. And then at the top of that, 
is diet, water, et cetera. But all the other things, in my opinion, come first, like do those things and then see how your body reacts um, on a physical level. Right. Yeah. Today, I mean, you can support any angle of discussion or argument right online. You know, you can support uh, any opinion you want. Just, you know, is it better to be plant-based or carnivore? And there's a lot of confused confusion out there. Um, but like you said, if you just get back to nature, focus on that. And nature has never lied and will never lie to you. But in fact, man has lied for their own profit. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's difficult with all the things that you get on any social media, um, with all the pages telling you, you need to take this, you need to have that. Just overwhelming, you know? Um, and then it can make you like really change your, your mind to thinking that if you don't have this, uh, you're almost sick. Like you're not as good as you could be. Mm -hmm. um, really puts a title on it and I think can be more disturbing, more hurtful and harmful um, just with that thought alone. Yeah. Even just, I think with people wondering like what to eat or how to eat like just try and make it as natural and as close to nature and as mindful as possible like oh is it normal to be eating meat for example that's packaged from a store where you don't know where it came from from a an animal that grew up in a factory farm like is that natural does that make sense no versus having meat from your local farmer who raised the cow and who slaughtered the cow and who did all the whole process and then you go and pick it up from the farmer, like which one's more natural, you know? Or just thinking about those basic things like, oh, how would the, I always ask myself, how would the Native Americans, but how would they have done this? <laughs> how have they would, how would they have related to the wind? How would they have respected animals? How would they have used nature as medicine? They're kind of like my, my compass <laughs> or just indigenous yeah. people in general. Yeah, they were in, full harmony with nature. And I think that's something we should all look to, to strive for. Um, yeah, they're the best example we have and on every continent too. And I think there's a reason why we practically went and colonized and exterminated each group because they were free. They were in harmony, perfect sync with nature and they wanted to abide by the system that was being imposed on them with education uh, you know like having a a career in this whole thing with buying and selling land and finances like none of that mattered they're already free so the only way to get rid of that perception of true freedom and just how life is maybe ought to be lived was to get rid of that entirely and just rewire the mind and get rid of that example that potentially could remind anyone of how it could be. Because um, mm -hmm. you, you can't control anyone like that. But yeah, they were definitely onto something though. They really were. I really recommend to anyone listening, I think you said you had 
read it as well, but Braiding Sweetgrass is like a great introduction just to this kind of removing the blinders from how you see the world in a more like unnatural way to really understanding how Native Americans perceived life and intertwined with nature and and just lived in a totally different way. And that book, I feel like every person on the planet could benefit from reading that book just to get you to see oh, yeah. like how ill-minded we are when it comes to our relationship with nature and our care with nature and even just food and relationships, everything. It's it's such a good book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you, uh, oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> Have you heard of the the book, The Cosmic Serpent? I have heard of it, but I haven't read it. It's on my, my long, long, long list in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> if you can maybe uh, rearrange, if you put that, it's like- Rearrange it on the list. <laughs> yeah, put that closer to the top. Um, I think you'd really enjoy it. And then anyone listening too, but it, it touches a lot on the natives and just how they they're able to learn these different ways of utilizing different plants um like it's about this thriamphalus uh or this this doctor he uh he did his studies down in south america in like the 60s and lived with a tribe and they had the ceremonies of ayahuasca and he was really confused, but at the same time intrigued about it. And he ended up having one part, uh, participating in a ceremony before he left and decades go by. And then they start learning more with uh, the modern world on what DNA is, uh, what we can learn from it. And then the different things, different chemicals within our minds. Um, and he was just really fascinated on how they could participate in a ceremony, come out, and then they're taught like how to make clothes, different kind of clothing or to find different kind of plants um, to help cure snake bite, uh, all those different types of things. Um, yeah, it, it's really, really good read. Uh, definitely would highly recommend Okay, sounds sounds very up my alley of something that I would enjoy. I'm gonna finish my current book and then maybe I'll <laughs> get to that one. Um, okay, I think we should talk about sleep now because I'm excited to, to share more about it. Um, so I guess we should first cover that the negative effects of artificial lighting and how it's affecting people's sleep. Would you say that from what you know, that that's like one of the number one factors that's affecting people's sleep and our circadian rhythm in a, diff in a different way than it has ever before? Yeah, absolutely. You have melatonin, which is your recovery hormone and your mitochondria of every cell respond to it during the day and then your pineal gland regulates it um, at night and your pineal gland is like the really the on off switch for dictating um hormones throughout your whole body when they're released the timing of it all 
and your pineal gland is also responsible for turning everything on or off uh, and it's dictated by light. So mm -hmm. in different types of light, we're really the guinea pigs uh, going through this. Every generation has a new thing, but we've never had the extended exposure as we do nowadays with artificial light. And we don't yet know the consequences that there may be later on. Um, but it really, because almost everything comes back to your your hormones and regulating your whole, whole body. And it just can really offset everything and disturb the whole process, which leaks into, you know, your diet, whether or not you're hungry um, or you're just right, you know, feeling, feeling fed. Um, your depression is a big one, mm -hmm. uh, anxiety, stress, and yeah, it, there's a, a lot of factors, but I think that's definitely one of the largest ones nowadays. Yeah. For anyone who's listening and may not know, because I feel like it's a common thing to not be as educated on, the our circadian rhythm is just a natural internal biological clock that regulates various physiological processes throughout a 24-hour cycle. And if our circadian rhythm is disrupted through artificial lighting or not enough grounding or whatever, it can affect our regulation of sleep, our hormonal regulation, metabolism and digestion, immune function, cognitive function, mood and mental health, like our, our regulating our circadian rhythm through artificial lighting in this case, and like regulating our sleep is so important and so under talked about. And so many people probably couldn't even tell you what our circadian rhythm is, you know? Yeah, it it's just everyone is going to respond differently to it, but everything is just so out of tune. And like you were saying, the body's circadian rhythm, it's its internal 24-hour clock we all have within us. We know exactly what time it is and it's calibrated by the, the rising and falling levels of hormones formed in response to light perception. So it's, it's very almost more effective at disturbing our, our balance with our hormones than what you can eat or what you can think. Um, and it's not just what you're exposed to through uh, regulating through your eyes, but just any exposure to your skin like we talked that one time, just how the pigments in our skin also are affected by light too. Um, but yeah, like going out, if you're looking to have a better night's sleep, if you go outside right beforehand and there are a lot of stars out, just looking at the stars helps your body release more melatonin. Um, it's a little trick you can do right before going to bed and kind of helps you regulate your whole, all of your hormones. If you have like data played behind a screen, but yeah, I wanted to share a quick uh, story. I already kind of shared this with you, but just to introduce like why this is so important, especially because I think 70 or 80% of my listeners are female. Um, but I was going through probably around July or, August, I was just getting to the point where I, I realized that 
me having like even though my I've never taken birth control and I've always had a regular period every month I the first two days of my period I always have really intense cramps and mood swings and just imbalance it's a causation of imbalanced hormones or irregulated hormones of some kind and ideally a woman shouldn't be having any period symptoms and it's crazy how many of my friends and any girl that I talk to one because they've been on birth control and two because of many other factors have the same exact experience and then also reading more into like all I want to do in this life is be a mom and have children and reading all these different statistics that one in three women now are infertile. Like that's crazy. That's crazy statistics. One in three women can't conceive a child. Um, and then like, why is that? Like, what is the causation of that? And I don't want to be a part of that statistic because that's like my worst nightmare. Um, so I started researching like what the main causes of infertility were and just like trying to find non filtered sources because you're not going to find that information on Google. Um, and then I came across a podcast of a woman that was sharing how she was going through a similar experience and she couldn't figure out why she was infertile and she was trying so hard to have a baby. And then she found all these different like studies and articles down a rabbit hole of information that was showing and indicating that artificial lighting could be like one of the number one causes of infertility because of its influence and how it disturbs the quality of our eggs and our ability to produce serotonin and serotonin or sorry not serotonin melatonin is conducive to successful reproduction and artificial light disrupts our body's ability to produce serotonin or melatonin um so then i was just like whoa like i think i told you this the other week when we were talking but it was one of those things when i heard it that I was like, this makes so much sense. And I don't know why I've never thought about this, you know? And even just thinking about how, going back to like, what's natural, like what's closest to nature? Like, of course, for hundreds of thousands of years, we never were exposed to artificial light. Like that was just not a thing. Like when the sun went down, we either didn't have light or we used fire, or found other ways to illuminate a space, but we never had artificial lighting. And then just the detriments of now increasing everyone being on their phone, like some people have 12, eight to 12 hours of screen time every single day and being in their house with their recess lighting and their these lamps and their fairy lights and these, that and the other. And it's just crazy. So instantly after I heard that podcast, I just stopped using artificial light instantly i was like no more <laughs> like none of that obviously i still have to use my phone and my laptop because it is the main producer of my income but i don't use artificial lighting in the house anymore i only use candles and i have the red light blocking glasses and all the things that i could possibly do the red filter on my phone and it, it has had a profound effect on my mood and my sleep and my overall state of being like being in a room now, if I have to go to the grocery store or something at night, I'm like, oh my Lord, what are these lights? Like, this is horrible. It's like you're walking into a surgeon's room and they're about to perform heart surgery. Like, why is it so bright in here? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to, to share that to anyone listening, if they're struggling with similar things, I think going down this rabbit hole of information and doing research and understanding the detriment of artificial lighting is something 
it's only really been talked about over the last, I would say emerging over the last like two to three years. And now people are starting to catch on, but over the next five years, I would say this is gonna be a huge point of discussion for most people. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll start to be, we'll come to realize the uh, repercussions of all the artificial lights and it's difficult during the winter with the shorter days, you know, here the sun sets at like 4.15 and just an early too quick of a day. So naturally it's, it's easier to just go inside and keep occupied with something behind a screen. But we have to realize too that the different seasons, um, especially the winter, we're, we're called to rest more, to sleep more. And you can see that a lot in nature, whether it's bears, how they literally go into hibernation. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of reptiles, like everything is just, we're called to rest more and it's okay to sleep more during that time. We don't need to keep as active, engaged as we have been over the summer. So yeah, late, uh, really affects it all it really is fascinating like once you open up your mind and perspective to entertaining the idea like oh maybe artificial light could be the causation of all these detrimental health effects that we're experiencing and then you think about how often you're exposed to artificial lighting and how i would say like 80 percent of people's day include artificial lighting it's just crazy like it opens up like a whole another aha moment for me <laughs> like wow this is crazy um yeah. yeah i'm curious like what your experience has been with that and then if you want to explain maybe like your sleep program and like what you're going to implement in order to help people reconnect to their circadian rhythm and reset those rhythms and increase their amount of melatonin being produced each night etc sure yeah so uh it was through a lot of curiosity and then experimentation uh, for myself. And my mom's a huge inspiration too. She's at an age where more of the mental side of things uh, can develop more quickly, especially if you don't have regulated sleep. And she only gets four to five hours of sleep a night, not just for the mm -hmm. past couple of weeks, months, and years compounded, which you can dramatically take a toll and a turn for the worst um, about this this age. So with that being said, I wanted to offer help to others because with my own experience, we really don't know, or at least I didn't know uh, how I was performing for my sleep. And the more I learn, the more that's out there, we, no one really knows how they're performing. And it's actually probably the most important performance you do. Not every couple of days, three, five times a week, like at the gym, you do it every single day, not because you want to, but because nature, God, evolution, whatever you believe in has, is forcing you to go through this phase of life and to spend over a third of your life asleep. It's probably pretty important. And it's vital for our, our health and well-being, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I believe 
in today's world with the influx of technology and inventions, that's not going anywhere. It's only going to continue, which is fine. But how do we, how do we go about it and look to mitigate um, technology ruling our lives and then also protecting our health? So I think our sleep is even more attacked than ever before and will continue to be more attacked um, through things like artificial light, all the different stressors through modern day um, civilization and just wanted to put together a program on where people can learn about their sleep and mitigate or eliminate different factors and their lifestyle that are truly affecting their sleep in a negative way and how to positively encourage better sleep performance through just a few minor uh, twists or additional things they can include within their, their lifestyle. Um, so it's a month-long program. It goes from, it's 28 days long, just in full cycle with the, the moon. Um, so start at the new moon and then just go all the way through. And Aura Ring, I checked out last, last uh, spring. It's when I really started getting in tune and wanting to learn more in depth with, with sleep. So I got one of these rings, didn't know too much about it, just was curious um, on how my sleep was because I really didn't know any way that besides how I woke up and how I felt right upon rising, like, ah, well, I'm feeling pretty groggy, so maybe I didn't sleep that well, but I needed something more accurate and never actually given feedback. And it's something we do every single day. Um, so I got one of these rings, it's called Aura Ring. And they're really leading the way, pioneering the, the research and studies for sleep. And they offer this little wearable device um, to measure your sleep and the different sleep stages, how much time you spend in your, your deep sleep, your REM cycles, uh, everything. So it's a really cool piece of technology that we can help It'll help us aid with our health and then learning more about ourselves and our habits and what's affecting um, us. So in the program, 28 days, I issue everyone their own aura ring. For the first week, we just gain a base data on where you're at with your current habits. And then after that, start implementing different herbs, different things to help increase uh, more melatonin, better sleep to increase your deep and REM uh, more so. And then I'll go through the data, analyze it. We'll just talk about it. Um, different things that I notice that have really increased my, my REM by like 15, 20%. Uh, different things I've experimented with similar to, you know, what if I ground the bed? What does that, what does that do? What if I eat past dark or eat eat something right before going to bed. How does that affect my sleep? So after months of seeing the data um, for myself and kind of analyzing it and realizing like maybe I could offer this to other people and help others out that might not know um, of any kind of solution but want some guidance with it. And a lot of people I even met that have the ring, they see the data, but they don't know what to do with it. So... Mm. So what was, I'm curious when you said 
you uh, experimented with not having or having food like right before bed versus eating a few hours before you go to bed or whatever, did that affect the quality of your REM sleep? It did. And you can see it. Yeah, it, it's uh, one of the, the top like physiological metrics that it measures is your HRV, your heart rate variability. And the reason why I went with Aura is that if you were to go off and do a sleep study at a university or other large institution where they hook up all the electrodes, put you all through the different uh, necessary types of equipment, it's almost eye to eye in accuracy. So oh, wow. almost evolved into a, a medical device. Um, but eating before sleep uh, really impacted my heart rate variability, which is the the time in between heartbeats and it it varies it's not always if you have heart rate of 60 a minute it's not every second your heart's going to beat it's different gaps different intervals um, which can dictate a lot about your whole overall health profile but if you eat within four hours of going to bed your heart rate variability is a lot lower um, compared mm. to not eating within that window so ideally you want a, a higher number um, for overall health and performance and it makes sense because when you're going to sleep um, your body needs to have everything shut down especially your your dige digestive system and because when your digestive system is active when you just maybe ate something right before going to bed uh, it's that's where all the blood's moving and your heart is having to work extra time to to filter all that to get it to where it needs to go and different things that we eat take different periods um different lengths of time to process you know whether you eat part of your meal like different types of meats fruits vegetables like your gut takes a while um different period of time to really break that down but your heart's working more so on that than focusing on recovering and flushing out all the things that it needs to throughout the night where it's supposed to be in that healing state. So like if I ate right before going to bed, you know, my, my heart's working that overtime and all my blood is shunting towards my gut, uh, trying to break that down and my heart rate variability was significantly lower by like 20, 30 points. But if I wow. fast, my last meal was before, like four hours or so before going to bed, um, then it was like, it was a lot, lot greater. Um, and that was like every time I wanted to test that out. Mm -hmm. And did you feel like you had more energy? Because like, did you feel just from your own observation that you had more energy and like were more feel, felt more rested after, like if you were to not eat four hours before you go to sleep, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. And my, since all my attention and work wasn't on focusing on that food, I could really, my mind could recover in the state of being in the slow wave, uh, sleep your deep sleep or my REM sleep so it could really focus on recovering 
restoring that um, with all the blood flow and my heart could relax. So the next day I'm even more prepared, better focus, attention, memory, uh, better overall mood, right? With your gut mm -hmm. regulated. So it makes all the difference. Um, and they've done so many studies too with a lot of athletes. You don't have to go and fast and do all these different things, but if you were to narrow the window of eating, let's say like six hours, like some of the best runners, swimmers, all the cardiovascular um, sports that really are all just full cardio, they, those athletes, the more they shorten that window to like four hours a day, just eat as much as you want between that gap, um, the better their cardio levels got. So it's like starting up a, like any kind of vehicle, you know, the more you eat, every time you eat, you're starting up that engine and you're using some of that, that diesel, that gasoline just by turning the ignition. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. Really well, how do you feel? I am curious about what you think when it comes to, you know, that I can't think of the name of it right now, but that I think it's a Chinese medicine, the clock of like the best hours of the day to eat according to when your body is most prepped to digest food versus the best time to sleep, the best time to exercise. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So like the Chinese body clock. Yeah, the body clock. I used to fast um, or just have juice and water probably up until like, 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon for so long probably two years or so like i was just so in that rhythm but then someone said i i was starting to have like sluggish um energy levels and not as good digestion and elimination etc and someone suggested i should have like my biggest um meal or like my densest meal like within an hour of waking up according to that body clock um, so I started eating breakfast every day now in the last probably eight months within the first hour of being awake. And I feel like that's made a huge difference for me. And then I'll have, and then following that, I'll have my biggest, or like, I'll have a lot of a savory protein based meal for breakfast in the first hour of waking up. And then I'll have my biggest, heaviest meal for lunch and then I'll have a, a lighter meal for dinner, let's say like a salad or a soup or sometimes even just fruit I'll have for dinner, uh, like a, a large quantity of fruit. And then I won't eat for, if I have dinner at like six and I go to bed at 10, I wouldn't eat later. Like I try not to eat more than three hours before I go to sleep, but I feel like that's made a big difference for me. Yeah, absolutely. I. Uh over the past couple of weeks experimented with that too. And there's uh, this lady, her name's the glucose goddess on Instagram. And <laughs> she's, uh, she's got some really good information, but she's this chemist and she really monitors her glucose levels and she'll show you uh, in what ways to eat a meal, but she really focused on that with breakfast being savory, um, heavier in protein, fats. And I think with any kind of protein fat, it's always good to have ferments too. And always start the day with any type of fermented uh, food, like kimchi or make your own 
pretty much ferment anything you want. Um, but just beginning the day with that has all the different makes all the difference in dictating your day on how stressed, how anxious you'll be. In comparison, mm -hmm. if you were to begin your day with high sugar um, meal, your levels, your cortisol levels are going to be way greater throughout the and sustain the rest of the day. Um, but yeah, I, I like to get like my, my largest meals in on like the, when the sun's at the top, like its highest point, the zenith. Um, yeah. I think when you have like the best blood flow and then everything's activated, but yeah, like you said, I'll, I'll start with a pretty big meal. Um, just something savory in the morning and then end with something light. Yeah. I feel like it's made the biggest difference. Like I know many people who are used to fasting will say like, oh, but I'm just not hungry in the morning. But I feel like if you start to just choose to eat and you have a really delicious, like savory, hearty, like filling breakfast, you realize how quickly nourishing that is. And now in the morning, like right when I wake up, I'm like, I'm so excited to eat. <laughs> like I get yeah. so I'm so acclimated to it now. And then I have so much energy. Like I'm ready for the day. And it feels good to like eat and and almost not get it out of the way, but like have my body nourished in that way. And then I'm like, okay, like, do I want to go to the gym? Do I want to go for a two hour walk? Do I want to do this? And I feel so alert, like since making that small change. Yeah, it really sets you up for success for the rest of the day. And that very beginning of what you put in um, is going to dictate so much. But yeah, it's definitely worthwhile for anyone out there just to experiment with it, just see what works best for you because everyone's going to be a little different. But totally. I, I noticed some good benefits like you. Yeah. So going back to the sleep thing, what would you say, or I'm curious what the quality over quantity sort of situation is. Like, let's say you were applying all the different sleep measures that you do. I, I assume a lot of them have to do with digestion, including not eating four hours before bed, uh, eliminating artificial lighting, et cetera. If someone were to do all the different little tips and tricks and changes that you implement, do you think that quantity of sleep is more important? Or like, could you get, let's say four hours of sleep, but in that four hours of sleep, you're having really high quality REM. Do you know what I mean? Is that question making sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, it's... Like it's what's really the ideal amount of REM sleep that you should have in a, in one night's rest? Uh, like 20%. If you're getting adequate sleep, um, which I would suggest like seven and a half to eight hours, seven being minimum, um, you should get like an hour and a half of REM. Two hours is like really good. And mm -hmm. it'll decline as you age, as you become older. Um, but it really goes hand in hand. I think quality is almost, it's very important, but you also still need the, the quantity as well. Um, mm -hmm. And what you do prior to going to sleep really sets you up for that. And um, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do because I know like going through the program, um, just going through this modern life, like I'm not looking for people to make large lifestyle changes. 
it's just more so of adding some simple things um, within your regimen to help increase your your sleep and better performance. Um, so light, artificial light is the big one. Um, supposedly, if you burn beeswax candles, it's like the closest resemblance of natural light, like of the sun, because the evaporation of the wax, something with the... So, I mean, the bees know what's going on, so... <laughs> the bees provide everything that we possibly need. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned that a few weeks ago. I was like, well, I'm not really surprised. Um, but, I, yeah, if you were to use, like, uh, and then also, yeah, just use the the bee wax for candles, for natural light. Um, and then different things. I'm a large advocate of reishi mushrooms to really target room sleep and to increase that. Uh, and I've noticed a difference in take, since taking that. There's this company, it's called Dragon Herbs. They're out of California. They're the only company I've found where they combine all of the different varieties of reishi. They wild harvest them in their natural locations. And it's called uh, 22 reishi. So they take all the different species of reishi and put them into one tincture and it's potent. But when they're all together, they really exude more benefits and complement each other all that much more. So you're getting the benefits of reishi plus that, you know, tenfold. So that's a really good product. I highly recommend tart cherry juice uh, is really beneficial too. Um, it helps your body recover. Like if you have any kind of strenuous workout, you're feeling sore, that's great. But also it helps your body release and produce more melatonin. So again, not looking for anyone to just stop using technology because technology is kind of taking over everything, but you can help introduce these things to help mitigate um, the effects of technology. So, you know, if you got to use your laptop, your phone, whatever for work, and you use some at night too, that's fine. But just if you were to take a shot of tart cherry juice, not from concentrate, uh, that'll help your body just kind of mitigate and um, equal that out essentially. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, I've had some patients uh, like just grounding your your bed you can get the grounding sheets it's just organic cotton threaded through silver or silver threaded through it and you can just plug that right into your socket into that grounding outlet which is like the mouth of the little smiley face you know and mm -hmm. it's probably the biggest difference that a lot of people have noticed especially with their Wait, deep sleep what is it Ex explain it to me sorry so it's um you know the whole like earthing or grounding concept yeah. so just the flow of electrons but you can you don't actually have to get something and plug it into earth you can just because every if you look at your outlet at least here in the u.s um it may look a little different in european countries but you've got the smiley face you got the two eyes and then the little circle um, yeah so the little circle is the the grounding outlet so it's grounded to where um, the electron can flow out like it's grounded into earth. So 
you can just plug in this device. It comes with the wire and everything. You just plug it in and then it's just a normal sheet you put on top of your bed that you sleep on and it's organic cotton and it's threaded through with silver. Um, silver is one of the most, the highest like conductive element for electricity um, and other things. So by plugging that in, you get the benefits of grounding, of earthing, and again, everything being rooted in inflammation. All the studies show, and you can see the different graphs and things where the inflammation just like disappears. And I figured wow. being grounded is so important, but it's probably the most vital time to be grounded would be at night when your body needs that extra boost and it's just in that recovery uh, mode. So, and going back to Native Americans and indigenous people, they slept on the ground closest to the earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All the the things they wore, it was natural. So you're still grounded. I've tested that out with like wool, with linen. Even if I put a wool blanket over the grounded mat with my multimeter, you're still grounded. It's not as like intense, but you're still connected to it. So you still receive it as long as you're using natural material. Hey guys, just a quick interruption. I hope you are enjoying this episode so far and all the amazing wisdom and knowledge that Kyle has to share. In case you are new here, you didn't listen to my previous episode, I am implementing a new strategy into my podcast streaming, which is moving the remainder of this episode onto my exclusive members only Patreon account. So only about 70% of the episodes will be uploaded to Apple Podcasts and to Spotify. And then if you want to listen to the remainder of the episode, you have to join my Patreon exclusive membership in order to listen, not only listen to the episode, but also get exclusive uh, resource list and discounts for everything mentioned in the episode. In this case, Kyle is going to be giving a discount for his sleep program and for his turmeric um, medicinal tinctures and such. And then we'll also be compiling like a big list of resources on where to get the grounding, um, sheets and blankets and stuff like that. So if you want to have access to those things and listen to the rest of this episode, which I really think you'd love, uh, go ahead and click the Patreon link in the show notes below, and you'll be able to access for just $3 a month and you can cancel it at any time, but there's lots of benefits to being a part of the Patreon. So I hope that you can join and listen to the rest of this episode. And I would love to hear your feedback if you have any on how you went listening to this and enjoying the rest of the episode. All right. Thanks guys. Enjoy your day. That concludes this episode for today. I acknowledge you for taking the time out of your day to expand your level of awareness with me. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, I encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you choose to share it on your Instagram story, feel free to tag me at infinite.creators and let me know what you loved about it. If you wrote a review, don't forget to screenshot it and email it to me so I can send you a free copy of my cookbook or my dream life workbook. Thank you again so much for listening. Your support means the world to me, and I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day.